Wisconsin does not have a signature win. That win over Michigan State on Christmas Day was important at the time. A lot has changed since Christmas Day. We got a new president. Mr. Potato Head is no longer a mister. Like, that was, that was a while ago. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I know what you're all thinking. Uh, that we're going to start the show today by talking about J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt signing with the Cardinals today. If you didn't see, I don't remember what time it happened. I don't know, like 11, 12, sometime earlier this afternoon. J.J. Watt signing with the Arizona Cardinals. And I know what you're thinking. Grant, you are going to start the show by complaining about J.J. Watt. Saying how he made a mistake and he should have should have gone to the Packers or he should have gone to... Buffalo or, oh, J.J. Watt, J.J. Watt, J.J. Watt. You know what? No. No. I'm not going to let J.J. Watt hold this show hostage and dictate our topics. I'm not letting him do that. J.J. Watt dragged his feet for weeks. Oh, free agency is wild. Oh, wow. The the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Being all cryptic on Twitter and pulling fans every which way. You know what, J.J. Watt? No. We will talk about J.J. Watt when we have time. To talk about J.J. Watt. And because I know, I'll just tell you, we're not talking about J.J. Watt until about uh, 4.50. We'll get there when we get there. Just like J.J. Watt made his decision on his own darn time. We're going to talk about the Bucks. We're going to talk about the Badgers. And then, then we'll get to J.J. Watt. He can wait. J.J. Watt can wait. Yeah, I said it. My, <laughs> my name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. And I hope you had a great weekend. Uh, two great basketball games. One ended... With a win, the other did not. Of course, I'm talking about the Badgers on Saturday. One of the weirder college basketball games I've watched this year. I changed my opinion on the game like 10 different times during the game. And then the Bucks got the win yesterday over the Clippers. So I thought, yeah, we're going to start with that. We'll get to J.J. Watt when we get to J.J. Watt. He's now a member of the Arizona Cardinals, which I'm not going to hate him. I'm going to Arizona in like two weeks. It's a beautiful place. I wouldn't mind living there. But um, the Cardinals... The Cardinals, we will talk about that. Just not right now. J.J. Watt can wait. Let's start with our basketball team. Start with the Bucks, who beat the Clippers yesterday, 105 to 100. And the Badgers, who lost in what we declared a must-win game, they lost to Illinois 74 to 69. I guess flip the scores. They lost 69-74, whatever, however you want to look at it. That game was a mess, and we'll dig into that coming up at 4.30. But let's start with the Bucks. And, of course, if you have a text, an opinion, uh, you can share it with me, 608-796-2558. You can also tweet at me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. If Twitter is your thing, you can reach out that way. Let's start with the Bucks. Some regular season games really stink. Regular season NBA isn't always great. Now, I enjoy it. I watch it. But I will admit, some regular season games just aren't very good. A lot of them aren't very good. And we've been lectured at length, especially by our friend Ebo, because Ebo loves telling people how to live their life. Isn't that funny? Mr. Free Choice, stay out of my lane Ebo is going to get up in our grill and tell us how to watch our sports and live our lives. Yeah, he's been giving us crap for the last two weeks. You watch regular season NBA games? Well, all the haters were pretty quiet yesterday. That was one of the best basketball games I've seen this last year. That was awesome. That was a classic. And it was a matinee game on ABC. So it was prime time and it, it... felt like a big game and it felt like it had the bells and whistles a Sunday matinee game on ABC is the equivalent of Sunday night football 
right? You can watch your regional games on Fox. You can have Chris Myers call a game and Greg Jennings. Yeah, that's fun. Football's fun. Basketball's fun. I like watching Tuesday night games with Marcus Johnson and Jim Paschke, although I can't watch Fox Sports Wisconsin, but I do enjoy, you know, local midweek Bucks games. But it's not like the matinee on Sunday, just like nothing is like Sunday night football on NBC with Carrie Underwood and Al Michaels and Liam McHugh, who's really, I that man's going places. He does a good job on the studio show. The ABC matinee is the best. And the game fit the setting and it fit the expectations yesterday. The Bucks winning 105 to 100. And I guess like, if I had to describe this game really briefly, like describe this game in, I don't know, 75 words. It was described, I think, best by Kawhi and Giannis trading really tough buckets over the course of a game. Great individual defenders on both of these teams. The Bucks have Giannis and Holiday, who came back yesterday, and Middleton. And then the Clippers have Kawhi, who's a tremendous individual defender. Paul George, who's a great wing defender. Patrick Beverly, who is Patrick Beverly. And then at the end of this game, both teams ratcheting up their team defense as well, which was awesome and electric. And Giannis had an MVP-type performance. But most importantly, if we're describing yesterday's game, we need to point out that the Bucs won a close crunch time game. And they've played in a lot of these, and they've lost them all. They lost to Boston early in the season when Jason Tatum banked in a game winner because it's Jason Tatum, of course. Losing at the buzzer, basically, to Phoenix. Losing on the last possession to the Brooklyn Nets. Losing in the final couple of minutes to the Los Angeles Lakers. They finally got one. They finally got a close win yesterday. A close game win, 105-100. to And it was awesome to see Giannis celebrating and smiling with his teammates. Watching Bucks games is just so much more fun when Giannis is having fun because it does really impact the rest of the team. When he's smiling and celebrating and playing loose, watching the Bucks is a really fun time. It's a good way to spend an afternoon. I watched it with my parents yesterday, and neither one are huge NBA fans, but they tolerated it, which means it was a great game. It's the, it's the seal of approval. 105 to 100 yesterday. Now, one might think if one didn't watch the game, or maybe they only saw a couple of minutes, one might think that, well, Bucks beat the Clippers. Clippers are a very good team. That that must mean that Coach Bud had himself a day cooking up adjustments and tweaks and in-game uh, uh, schematic changes and strategies. Coach Bud had a day. One might think that, right? And I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think of Coach Bud after yesterday. The Bucks got killed in the third quarter, which is never a good thing for a head coach because you go into halftime and then you come back out and your adjustments and your strategical changes, like that's where coaching comes to play, the third quarter. Well, the Bucs were outscored 33-24 in the third quarter. They gave up an 18-4 run. I didn't like that. I didn't like the third quarter. But I did see some things that I liked from Coach Bud, and I saw some things that I didn't like. And I thought because we talk about Coach Bud when the Bucs lose, because we like to blame Coach Bud, well, when they win, I feel like we should spend a little time talking about Coach Bud too and the way that he is organizing and, and, and strategizing on the court. So let's start with the things I I didn't like. Actually, more things that I liked yesterday than I didn't like. Let's start with the bad. I didn't love Brooke Lopez and the defense for the majority of the game, especially in the third quarter. It seemed at times they didn't know if they were switching or not, which is, um, it's not a good sign. (laughs) Like, remember the, the Mark Tressman Bears in 2014 when Aaron Rodgers threw six touchdowns in the first half and the announcers just killing him. And, and the next day, all the sports commentators were killing the Bears. It's like you guys, some guy's playing man, some guy's playing zone. Nobody knows what, it, like nobody knows. That's an indictment on bad organization, which is an indictment on bad coaching. And at times yesterday, the Bucks really didn't know. They were unorganized at times. 
and I didn't love most of the game when I saw it from Brooke Lopez because they're, they're giving up wide open threes to Marcus Morris when they're single covering Kawhi Leonard. If you're not committing a double team to Kawhi Leonard, there's no reason Kawhi can make one pass and assist on a wide open three. And yet Brooke was falling asleep a little bit. He was slow to get out to the perimeter. I didn't love the way that Bud was coordinating the defense, especially through Brooke Lopez. I didn't like that, but that's a, a rather small complaint in the grand scheme of things. I just didn't like watching DJ Augustine. And I, I don't understand it because DJ finished plus 17, which was the best mark on the Bucks yesterday. Now, of course, it helps when your team wins. But I just, I was pulling my hair out watching DJ Augustine yesterday. He was missing on, on rebounds he should have got. I thought there were opportunities on offense where he just wasn't aggressive enough, weirdly. Like, they, there were opportunities where he could have gone to the rack and he lollygagged a little bit, which I hated. I just don't really know what DJ Augustine's deal is right now. So I didn't like the third quarter defense. I didn't really love Brooke Lopez, and I didn't really love what I saw from DJ Augustine. Now, that's not necessarily Coach Bud's fault, but a head coach is responsible for everything. Those are the things I didn't like. The things I liked, this list is a lot longer, and a, a list of good things should be longer in a game where your team wins. I think this is the biggest win of the Bucks season, at least since last Thursday, when the Bucks beat the Pelicans. That was a really big win, too. They've, they've got a couple big, close wins in the last week. They've won five in a row. What did I like? I liked how Coach Bud used Drew Holiday yesterday. Weirdly enough, in his first game back from 10 games off due to COVID, Drew Holiday was used defensively, which is a little counterintuitive. I thought they'd bring him in off the bench to get a little offensive spark, right? Get a bucket here and there, assist on another, and then bring him out and let him rest. Actually, the opposite happened. Drew was fine offensively, but really they used him as a defensive ace, which I... I didn't expect. And Coach Bud had a good feel for that. He had a good feel for what Drew could do and what Drew could provide in the 18 minutes in which he played. That's that's all he played. For a little bit of context, Giannis played 40. Middleton played 33. Right? DiVincenzo played 28. Lopez played 31. And then Drew Holiday played 18. So about half of the workload of all the other starters. He's working back slowly. And Coach Bud had a good feel. It's like, well, let's use him defensively. Let's use him to close and let's use him to help cover Kawhi and Paul George and some of these really other uh, these other effective offensive players. That surprised me. Coach Bud surprised me in that way yesterday. I also liked some of the lineups that Coach Bud used to deploy Drew Holiday. He used a lineup in which Drew was out there with basically all bench players. It was a bench lineup plus Drew Holiday, which sounds like something I would hate, but I actually I, I liked it. At one point, there was a lineup out there that was Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis. Bryn Forbes, Pat Connaughton, and Thanasis. And if you were running this lineup in the playoffs, you could probably swap Thanasis with Giannis and it wouldn't you know, serve the same purpose. I, I hate all bench lineups or mostly all bench lineups, but this one might kind of work. You can use Drew as the primary ball handler and the distributor, and he can attack too, but then you have Portis on one side, a lot of offensive firepower. Bryn Forbes on the other, a lot of offensive firepower. Pat Connaughton, who's played really well in the last week when they've been winning he's been playing like a true sixth man and then Thanasis can bring some energy or if you swap in Giannis well then you know he can be an MVP I like that lineup and I give Bud a little bit of credit because that takes some creative thinking Drew Holiday his first game back from COVID and a bunch of bench guys shouldn't work but the way that it was used it worked pretty well and and Drew was able to be effective in the minutes that he was out on the floor now we got to give credit to coach Bud for the final few minutes of the game as well talking about the defense. 
the Bucks held the Clippers scoreless in the final four minutes. And this is the first time all year they have closed a game successfully by switching on defense. I don't know if you noticed in the last couple of minutes, Chris Middleton and Giannis were guarding at the top of the key and they were switching everything. They're switching. They don't normally do. They normally go under screens or they're, they're playing their drop coverage. They went away from that yesterday and they started switching. And it's something they tried to do against Boston and they lost. Tried to do it against the Lakers and they lost. They tried to do it against the Suns and they lost. Although if Giannis hits that that shot, they win that game. So yesterday was the first example of the Bucks switching in crunch time and actually coming out the other side successful, coming out with the win. And they held the Clippers scoreless in the final four minutes. Giannis after the game talking about how it's a game of stops. But uh, at the end of the day, this game was a stops game. You know, we were able to just to make it as tough as possible for Kawhi and uh, Paul George going down the stretch because before that, Kawhi was, uh, was about to get going. Uh, and then we realized we got to switch everything and uh, show bodies and be active. And uh, that's what we did. We were able to get stops and uh, just try to make it as tough as possible for them. Game of stops. They made it really tough on the Clippers. Like Paul George took some tough shots, couldn't hit. Kawhi took some really tough shots, including that shot that, that would have tied the game at the end. And it barely got the front of the rim. Like they made Kawhi work and they made Paul George work. And the Bucks have good individual defenders. They should make the, the opposition work, right? It should be hard to score on Giannis and it should be hard to score on Chris Middleton, who's 6'8". And it should be hard to score on Drew Holiday, who's one of the better defensive players in the league and really versatile. But for whatever reason, their, their, their defense as a unit hasn't worked. Yesterday, I think they really allowed the individual defenders, Giannis and Middleton and Drew Holiday, allowed those players to shine by switching at the end. And Giannis talked a little bit about employing that switch defense in crunch time. You know, it felt, it felt good. You know, we were, it was an um, individual pride. You know, uh, I was on Kawhi, Chris was on, on Paul George. They were trying to switch us. But at the end of the day, we had to guard our men. We had to get a stop. It was one and one. They had to play ISO against us, you know. So you know, there's a pride, there's an ego thing in that, you know. Um, personally, I love that going down the stretch. Talking about switching, employing a defense, and finally, finally, Coach Bud cooking up a plan that leads to a win. They've gotten close. Boston, Lakers, Phoenix. They've been right there, Brooklyn, but they haven't been able to come out with a win. And yesterday they did, and that was was cathartic. Felt like a release. And I wanted to give Coach Bud credit because we rip them when the Bucks lose. We should give them credit when they win. But I don't really want to dwell on Coach Bud other than the, the couple of minutes we just spent on him. We can save that for the next time they'll play the Raptors and, and lose. Yesterday wasn't about Bud. Yesterday really even wasn't about Chris Middleton or someone off the bench. Yesterday was 100% about Giannis. He's been putting up gaudy numbers the last week or two. And if you've been watching the Bucks, you know that. right? He's been playing great. He's, he's had over 35 now in the, the fifth straight game. The only Buck who's done that it's been Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Lou Alcindor in the mid-70s. Like, he is on a streak that no no buck has been on in the last 40, 50 years. But yesterday was even a little different. It wasn't just about the numbers. And the numbers were great yesterday. Giannis finished with 36, 14, 5, 4 blocks and a steal. He's doing everything. It was like Dante's game the other night, but on steroids. Double the scoring. Yesterday was about Giannis. And I, I couldn't help but think yesterday about the criticisms of Giannis. What do the haters say? What do the doubters say about Giannis? They say he's not skilled, say that he can't close games, can't hit free throws. Well, I think Giannis did a little bit of all of that yesterday. Showed off a little skill in the fourth quarter. He hit a corner three when the game was all knotted up. 
He he ran this beautiful backdoor baseline spin move against Sergi Baca. The Ethan Hat move, where he just slips along the baseline. Giannis didn't look like a battering ram to close the game yesterday. He picked his spots very well, and he was super effective. He was doing more than dunking, although the dunk was the play that sealed the game. Giannis also hit his free throws. He hit two when they were down one with less than two minutes to play, which put the Bucks up 101 to 100. He finished four of six from the line, and I'm not going to complain about that. Nobody was taking free throws yesterday, which actually allowed this game to breathe a little bit. I mean, he shot better than Dante did late in the game. Dante went over two when he got to the line. You want to talk about how Giannis isn't a closer. I think Chris Middleton is as good a closer as the Bucks have, but Giannis scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. For context, the rest of the Bucks had 11, and the Clippers combined had 19. So Giannis kind of shut it down in the fourth quarter yesterday. Really cool game. I think the biggest win they've had since Thursday and probably the biggest win of the season. Bigger than Thursday, but you get my point. They're stacking big wins, right? Wins that you can build off of. Close, hard-fought, tough games uh, in the fourth quarter against good teams. The Clippers are 24-12 and 12 and been shooting the ball really well and, and because of that, been winning a lot of games. Let's take a break. I want to continue to talk about Giannis. The impact of yesterday's win. And coming up, we got to talk about the Badgers too. I don't want to, but we have to. We're not quitting the Badgers, but I think we need to we need to admit a couple of things about this team. And we'll do that coming up at 4.30. My name, Grant Bills. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. My name is Grant Bills, and I hope you had an excellent weekend. Thanks for hanging out. You can join the show if you'd like. Send me a text, 608-796-2558. You can tweet at me, at Wisco Grant, as well. This text comes from our friend Brett in Eau Claire. Hi, Grant. You're not on in Eau Claire today. I turned you on, and it's Jim Rome. Well, Brett, first of all, appreciate the text, and I'm glad that you missed the show. Either one of two things happened. All right? Either, uh... There is a technical error, which I hope will be fixed soon. Or two, the clones uh, occupied the radio station demanding they have that hour of Jim Rome back. Which sounds a little scary because the clones can be a very intense bunch. They're used to being in the jungle and arguing and the takes are always hot and the arguments are always strong. So I, I hope that it's thing number one and it's just a technical difficulty and hopefully we'll be back on in, on Sports Talk 105.1 before too long and Brett I appreciate the text uh Schmidt okay well we're starting okay Schmidt says listening from Myrick Park today sucks for anyone that's not in La Crosse Wisconsin right now yeah it seems beautiful outside I walked out to get a breath of fresh air before the show uh and it's just gonna get warmer I'm looking forward to this weekend maybe do a little fishing uh maybe go for a little hike maybe uh get the grill out listen to some Brewers baseball on the radio and and really go full dad this weekend yeah, it was beautiful outside, and it looks like it's going to continue to be that way. So I'm glad, Schmidt, that you're—I don't know if you're just parked in, in Myrick Park or what you're—I don't know what you're doing there, but I'm glad that you're enjoying yourself, and I'm glad glad that you're listening. Thank you. 608-796-2558, and on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. We're talking about the Bucks. They beat the Clippers yesterday, 105-110, and I think this is their biggest win of the season. It's their biggest win of the season since, I think, Thursday when they beat the Pelicans because the, the, this team is showing the ability to get close wins. Close out tough games down the stretch. 
right? Get that extra bucket or two at the end, that hard-earned play. Because it didn't happen against Boston or Brooklyn or Phoenix or L.A. They were right there. They were on the cusp in all of these games against these tough teams. But they weren't breaking through. They weren't getting these wins, and they got one yesterday, and they shut out the Clippers for the final four minutes of the game. Giannis had 19 in the fourth quarter. It was it was fun. And it's funny because I, I actually view yesterday's win as a huge luxury. I, I don't think the Bucs needed to win that game. I think a loss would have been easy to explain away. I think that was a luxury of a win, and I will selfishly take it, especially after Wisconsin um, you know, did what they did on on Saturday. And I was reminded of, whenever, whenever I'm talking about a luxury or excess, I always think of one of my favorite movies. And I don't watch very many movies. But one of my favorite movies is The Other Guys, where investment broker David Urshan says, America is defined by its excess. And I was going to quote as much of the scene as I could, but then I actually found the clip and I'll share with you. It's about 25 seconds long. America has always been defined by its excess. The Grand Canyon, professional sports contracts, Wendy's Baconator, extra bacon. I myself have 18 Lamborghinis and a Subaru station wagon. And it's because of this excess that I have flourished. I implore you, please do not stop profiting. Live for excess. It's the American way. Yeah, yeah. Same goes for the Bucks, by the way. Don't stop profiting. Don't stop winning. Keep stacking wins. Keep a winning streak going as long as you can. And yesterday, I, I was like, well, the Bucks, the Bucks don't have to win this game. Like, Drew Holiday's just coming back. They, they've won, what, four in a row before yesterday. Like, they're doing okay. But let's, let's keep it going. Keep profiting. Keep getting wins. Let's get five in a row. Let's go for six, seven in a row. And we, we talk about this all the time in baseball. The reason you want to have an ace, you want, the reason why you want to have great pitchers, is because they can go out and, and keep that winning streak going. Like Brandon Woodruff can take the ball. All right, we've won four in a row. Let's go get five. Or that great ace can take the mound and, and stop a losing streak. And w- when you're making hay, keep making hay. The sun is shining. You want to keep putting hay in the barn. And the Bucks were able to do that yesterday in a game that I, I didn't think was a must win. Now, the Badgers game, that was a must win. I don't think yesterday's game was a must win for the Bucks. I think that was a luxury win. But it's a game I really, really wanted to have. Primetime TV, at home, midst of a winning streak. I think it was a luxury win, but a win that I really, really wanted to have. I mean, let's let's brainstorm here. Let's think about it. Thought experiment. If the Bucks would have lost yesterday, close your eyes, think about it. Okay, the Bucks lost. I'm frustrated. Yesterday afternoon, what was I doing? Okay, what would we have said? If the Bucks lost yesterday, what, what would we have said? This is what I would have said. This is the show I would have done. I would have downplayed this. I would have said, well, Drew Holiday just came back. Played 18 minutes. He's obviously not 100% yet. And he was out there, but, you know, he's, he's working his way back. And this team is trending in the right direction. They're almost there. Another tough loss. This is something they can learn from and get better from and blah, 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 blah. I don't need all these things. That's what I would have said had the Bucks lost by three points. Let's say the same exact game, but flip it. The Clippers win 105 to 100. That's what I would have said, right? Drew's on his way back. The Bucks are trending in the right direction, right? It's just another loss to put in that basket with the Celtics and the Lakers and the Suns and the Nets, right? But because the Bucs won yesterday, it, it kind of feels like they broke through to the other side. They've been mixing it up with these teams and, and losing just barely by these great teams in hard-fought games. Yesterday's win was maybe a sign that the struggles have been leading somewhere. Maybe yesterday's win was a little bit of validation. Maybe that's the way you can spin it. 
right? And to get a win like this before Drew Holiday is even fully back, like Drew Holiday only played 18 minutes. He's a shell of himself because he got really sick with COVID and they were still able to beat the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they were able to beat the... Okay, this is a Bucks team that a week and a half ago was losing to the Thunder. And to think that with only 18 minutes of, of a shell of Drew Holiday, they were able to beat the Los Angeles Clippers? Hell yeah. Heck yeah. I'm all about that. And you could see the morale and you could see the energy. When Giannis hit that dunk at the end, you, you could just see it. That this was cathartic for this team. This is a great release. Like, oh, he finally got one of these tough wins. And Drew's back and we're smiling and we're celebrating. It was great. And I think you could see that excitement with the team. Chuck texts in really quick before we take a break. Chuck says, Grant. What do you say about the guys saying Giannis walked with that game icing dunk? I say it was legal. Well, I mean, Chuck, I'm not going to call a travel on my own favorite player on my own favorite team. He's got long legs. Like, the NBA loves their gather step. I'm just, I, I'm not, I don't watch NBA games yelling for travels for the most part. Sometimes. Mostly on the other team. I just, if you call that a travel, I think that's incredibly lame. And I think that's the, that's, I think that's the understanding with how traveling is called in the NBA. It's like we got bigger fish to fry. Let's worry about other things. And I, I think I would take the same approach with that travel. Maybe if I was a Clippers fan, maybe I'd whine about it a little bit. Paul George did, which is really funny. Paul George was the one that basically got hammered on. He was waiting under the bucket. But no, I mean, I, I think that's very, very lame. And I think anybody that's that's focused on that play is staring at a tree and ignoring the rest of the forest and the forest was a really good back and forth game between two really good teams if you're a clipper fan you're bummed but don't be bummed because you think it was a travel that's an incredibly lame thing to complain about just take your l move along it's a long season then you look at listen to how much perspective i have when my team is winning it's amazing and speaking of winning let's talk about the opposite uh let's talk about the wisconsin badgers who i almost pulled half the hair out of my head on saturday Let's talk about the loss to Illinois in what I declared a must-win game. Talking Badgers coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show rolling on. Appreciate you hanging out. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter at Wisco Grant. If you'd like to find me there and send me a tweet, you can always text the show if you would like 608 796 2558 on the talk and text line or the TATL. Little Brewers update, and we'll talk Brewers in precisely one hour at 5 30. Uh, the Brewers are up 7 to 1, and they're going to bat in the top of the eighth inning, and then the game is done because they're only playing seven and a half innings, which I think both managers got together and realized that eight innings would be too risky due to COVID. So they they found that good cutoff line right at seven and a half. This makes zero sense. I'm trying not to be jaded about it because we have enough to complain about. Uh, see Badgers, Wisconsin, that's coming up. We're already complaining about Sinclair because we can't watch the Brewers play their weird seven and a half inning game. So I'm not, I'm not going to complain if they want to play seven and a half innings and that's what gets them through spring training and we get baseball. All right, it's fine. I'll take it because Rob Manford doesn't exactly set the bar very high for excellence in his sport, but I whatever, I'll take it. Brewers look like they're going to win. I don't know if, you, if you're betting spring training games, maybe you care. Um, other than that, it's, you know, just something to watch, something to listen to. And if you're going down to Arizona, 
something to do as well. We've been talking about the Bucks for the last half hour. I think biggest win of the season, at least since Thursday. I thought Thursday was the biggest win of the season, and now they've they've managed to win another huge game at home against the Clippers, close out a tough-fought back-and-forth game, and, and now have won five in a row. So it's funny. The Bucks run it. Huge heater. And then they got ice cold, and now they've won five in a row again. So very similar to the, what was it, the 83 Brewers team streak? Which team was that? This is before my time, so I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm coming out ahead just knowing about team streak. What, did they win 13 in a row, and then they lost 13 in a row or something like that? That's uh, this iteration of the Milwaukee Bucks team, too. I want to talk about the Badgers. We'll talk J.J. Watt coming up in 15 minutes. We'll get to J.J. Watt when we get to J.J. Watt, seeing that's how he approached his free agency, being all cryptic and stuff. We're going to make J.J. Watt wait until 4.50. The Badgers lost on Saturday. And thank God the Bucks won yesterday because I really didn't want to do a show today talking about how both of our teams lost. But the Badgers lost on Saturday, 74-69 to the Illinois Fighting Illini. Let's start big picture. Big picture, big picture. Like a view from 10,000 feet of our Wisconsin Badgers. And then we'll zoom in and we'll actually talk about this game. Big picture, I feel like Badgers fandom has jumped off this team. Doesn't it? It feels that way, right? Like we've stopped dreaming. We've stopped hoping, and we've accepted that there's a ceiling on this team. And the ceiling is having to beat any team that's worth a damn because they they can't. Like, we're going to keep watching. I'm not saying we're giving up on this team. We're going to keep watching. But, I, like, I'm not I'm not dreaming at night of this team getting hot and going to the Elite Eight. I'm, I'm not. No. No. This team has a limit. They have a ceiling. And I think... That was just emphasized even more on Saturday when this team lost at home to Illinois on senior day, which is saying something because they have like a thousand seniors. They're all like 26 years old. It's almost as if Saturday's game represented some sort of last chance, um, last chance to get a big win and, and to prove that this team doesn't have a ceiling and they can they can contend. It, it's like Saturday's game was a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, a, mu- a must win. That's right. That's right. Which is what we said on Friday. By the way, for those of you keeping score at home, and I tweeted this on Saturday, the Badgers, or our teams in general, are now 0-3 in games that we have declared a must-win. Not good. Uh, Badgers have two of those losses. The Bucks have another. I regret nothing, and I accept responsibility for nothing. All three of those games were must-win games, and uh, 0-3. Not great. Not great. Am I going to stop? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We'll probably declare another must-win soon for one of our teams. Should we fit? Should we find a way to declare a Brewers spring training game a must-win? We find find a way to jump through all the hoops to make that a reality. We could try. Big picture, it feels like Badgers fans has kind of jumped off this team. We're gonna watch. We're gonna cheer. Don't get me wrong, but it we've stopped dreaming. We're not closing our eyes and thinking of oh well they'll just get hot in the tournament and they'll be a Cinderella. Blah 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 blah. blah. I just no. I don't think so. Probably still make it'll still make the tournament. I mean, it's still a half decent team, but there's a ceiling, and the ceiling is beating any team that's worth a darn. Now, specifically on Saturday's game, let's let's break this down. The X's and O's. I hate games like that. They're the worst. Because I changed my opinion and changed my take like ten different times. We thought this game was over four minutes in. And then the Badgers got close, and then it wasn't close. And then they were getting run out of the gym in the second half, so I gave up, and then they Pulled it within a couple of points, and then, okay, they ended up losing. I was like, okay, okay. So I walked away from the TV to come back, and then I walked away to come back again. It's Games like that are the worst because there's so much mixed messaging. Are you a good team or are you not? Can you beat Illinois or can't you? 
Like, can you guard Kofi Coburn? Can you go at him and get him in foul trouble, or can't you? Can you make free throws and three-point shots, or can't you? That game was a walking contradiction. And the best way I can describe this game and my thought process on this game is to seriously just share my notes with you from this game. This is, this is my thought process. So at the end of the first half, I wrote, Illinois had 12 first-half turnovers, and the Badgers had 26 first-half points. I mean, look at the shooting numbers. 10 of 37 from the field, 3 of 14 from 3, which is 21%. They just, they got off to such a slow start and immediately put themselves in the hole. Immediately put themselves in the hole. And this team is not designed to dig themselves out of a hole. Because every time they do something good, they follow it with two bad things. Right? They take one step forward, they take two steps back. Right? Because just when they draw close, they'll get within four or five, six points. And then as soon as they do, they give up an offensive rebound they can't afford to give up. Or they give up a dumb uh, dumb basket. They, they have a bad turnover or they fall asleep on defense and they give up a free two points. They just can't seem to get out of their own way. And that was made clear once again on Saturday. I, I think the best way... I think the best way to maybe summarize this team, and this not just for Saturday, but the whole season, they can't play complimentary basketball. They can't hit shots, but when they do, they can't get stops. They can't get stops, but when they do, they surrender offensive rebounds, right? They can't hit free throws in close games. It's the little things. They don't do the little things well. They don't stack success. Their offense doesn't complement their defense. Did they have, did they have like more than two fast break points on Saturday. I remember one bucket where they got a breakaway layup. Other than that, did they get any fast break points? I'll pull up the stats. They don't have fast break points for college games. Really? ESPN isn't worth a darn thing. You see a field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throws, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, total turnovers, fouls. Okay, well, I don't know. I don't know about fast break points. I can't get that on ESPN.com. Goes without saying, they didn't have very many. They were always ramming into a set-up Illinois defense in their half-court offense, which isn't very good because they don't have a lot of guys who can create for themselves. There was Nothing was easy for the Badgers. And they didn't play complimentary basketball. When they were doing one thing well, then everything else would go to hell. It was like trying to keep two dogs in a bathtub at the same time. As soon as you got one figured out, the other one's jumping out and running across the house and shaking water everywhere. The little things this team can't do, that the little things are supposed to be what an all-senior team is good at. You're supposed to be smart in crunch time, and you're supposed to grab offensive rebounds, and you're not supposed to turn the ball over, and you're supposed to hit free throws. The average age on this team is like 26 years old, and they don't do the little things well, which is a huge indictment on this team and on this program. If you're going to start five seniors, you better be good at the little things, and they're bad at the little things. They're really, really bad at the little things. And I'm assuming that some of you, maybe most of you, are mad at Greg Gard and you don't like Greg Gard. I guess that's understandable because they they truthfully don't really have one signature win this season. And I always defend Greg Gard. I think he's a great coach. But I am I'm willing to criticize him today for one thing from Saturday. And I tweeted about it on Saturday if you follow me at Wisco Grant. They didn't go at Kofi Coburn at all. They didn't attack him in the first half at all. They waited until the end of game to go at Kofi Coburn, and he got into foul trouble late. He finished with four fouls, right? But they waited too long. By the time they started going at Coburn, it, it really wasn't possible to, to actually have him worry about fouling out because there wasn't there was enough game left. They ran out of road. And as soon as he got into foul trouble late and had to come off the floor, you saw the difference, right? That and Demetrius Trice became white hot. Mad respect to Demetrius Trice and really no one else at the moment. 
on this on this Badger team. As soon as Kofi Coburn got into foul trouble, you, things started to open up. Things got easier. And I don't really know why they didn't make that a point of emphasis earlier. They didn't have to worry about Io DeSumo. Their one true huge threat was Kofi Coburn, and they chose to heave three-point shot after three-point shot after three-point shot. They kept chucking him up in the first half. None of them were even close. Just brick, 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 brick. And they kept trying. And Kofi Coburn's getting away scot-free under the basket. Not in foul trouble. Not getting beat up. Not getting tired. And that is a Greg Gard issue. I will be critical of Greg Gard in that regard. I almost never criticize Greg Gard on the show because this team always seems to have bigger fish to fry than Greg Gard. It's like, oh, well, Brad Davison took 12 threes and missed all of them. Like, let's talk about that and not talk about Greg Gard. Nate Reavers played how many minutes? He played 31 minutes, didn't get a single rebound. Yeah, let's talk about that. Normally, this Badgers team has bigger fish to fry, and they had bad performances on Saturday, but it was frustrating watching this team just jack up so many three-point shots, knowing that you can go at Kofi Coburn and beat him up and tire him out. You have the rotational players to do it. It's not like the Badgers are short on... It's not like they have one superstar player and a bunch of role players. Look, who cares if Nate Reavers gets in a little bit of foul trouble? Slide in Micah Potter. Slide in a lean forward. They have the depth to go at someone. They have the depth to go at Kofi Coburn, and they didn't do it until late in the game. And then once he got into foul trouble, you immediately saw the difference. And Greg Gard should know. Badgers fans should know the impact that foul trouble can have because Ethan Happ was the Badgers' best player for two years, and that team became a different team when he got into foul trouble. Right now, when the Badgers were Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker and Brownson Kading, okay, well, foul trouble on Frank Kaminsky wasn't as important because you could afford to take him off the floor and you could run things through Koenig and run things through Sam Decker. And when Travion Jackson was healthy, you could run things through him too. But when you're a one-man show in college basketball and that one man is a center, go at him. Because if you get him in foul trouble, the game changes completely. And Greg Hart should know that because he coached the Ethan Hat Badgers for two years. Oh, that's frustrating. That's so, so frustrating. But I'm not going to bury Greg Gardner. I'm not going to say he's a garbage coach. I'm, I'm sure some people will. And that's within your right as a sports fan. I think I've been irrational about Coach Bud at times. You've certainly earned the right to be irrational and angry at, at Greg Gardner. That's fine. But I think the biggest complaint I have about this Badger team right now, it's it's not complimentary basketball. It's not Greg Gard, you, you know, taking what I thought to be kind of a soft NBA type approach to a game that needed to be more physical, especially at the Cole Center with a bunch of seniors in, the, in one of the final games of the year. Like that, that should have been a physical game and it wasn't. That's not even my biggest complaint. My biggest complaint about this team is that the class of 2021 just didn't develop enough. They just didn't get good enough over their time at UW. We're talking about Nate Reavers and Micah Potter and Aleem Ford and Brad Davison. They're good players. They're good, but they're just good. You hope that over the course of four years, or in the case of, like, Demetri Trice and Brad Davis in, like, seven years, you hope that these players can develop to a certain level. The 2021 class, Reavers, Potter, Ford, Davison, that class reminds me now of the 2018-2019 senior class, which is Khalil Iverson and Charlie Thomas and Brevin Pritzel. And when they were young, we had such high hopes. It's like, oh, look at this Khalil Iverson guy. He's going to be such a dynamo. And he was fine. And it's the same with Nate Reavers. Like, I... When he was young, it's like, oh, he's going to be the next great Wisconsin center. And he turned out to just be fine. And fine is fine, but fine is not going to let you contend for the Big Ten. Because you're relying on that player development. You're relying on these players getting better, and these guys really just didn't. We had high hopes when they were young, and they just never reached the level that we thought they were going to reach. And sure, you can you can blame Greg Gard for player development, but 
these are grown men, quite literally. Like, they're older than most NBA players who are coming into the league. Like, they got to develop, too. And Reavers just didn't. And Potter really just didn't. And Ford was a decent shooter, but that's really it. Very similar to Khalil Iverson and, and Charlie Thomas, who I almost forgot about until I started researching for today's show. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Come back, and it's finally time. We'll talk about J.J. Watt. We, we waited 50 minutes. We can talk about him. He's the newest member of the Arizona Cardinals. And I say good riddance. I'll explain coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Appreciate you hanging out and tuning in. Glad to have you. I hope you had a great weekend. I watched the Badgers, which ruined my Saturday. No, I had a great Saturday. I got to see my parents. Didn't ruin my weekend. It was a frustrating game. And then yesterday, I got to watch the Bucks with my mom and dad, and that was really fun, and it was a signature win, and probably going to be one of the highlights of the season. So my, my weekend was excellent, not to be narcissistic. Um, I'm looking ahead at the weather next weekend, and next weekend might be it, ladies and gentlemen. You might need to get the grill ready. Uh, you might need to dust off the radio and... Listen to the Brewers outside. Yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what we're doing next weekend. Uh, so now we just got to get through, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. <laughs> you can join the show if you'd like. Send me a text, 608-796-2558. Uh, and you can also tweet at me, at Wisco Grant. Brett in Eau Claire says, uh, so I caught the last few minutes. Where's the optimism Zach gave you uh, last week? It's gone with Wisconsin. Well, here's the thing, Brett. We declared... Saturday's game a must win and they lost and there has to be consequences for losing a must win otherwise why is it a must win in the first place right uh talking about the Brewers our uh, our friend on Twitter I don't even know what to call him hold on uh Mike Stan six better known as Omar Narvaez at bat and mound visit fan account it's quite a lengthy Twitter handle tweets in and says Grant it's the cactus cup all spring training games are must wins right you are Right you are. And the Brewers won today. They won 7-1, to one, playing seven and a half innings, because why not? Uh, a couple minutes before 5 o'clock, and really quickly we have to talk about this. J.J. Watt chose his new team. He's going to the Arizona Cardinals. Thank God it's over. I'm just glad he picked a team so we can be done with this. This needed to end. Um, I, I want to talk for a sec about the Arizona Cardinals. They're a fun team. Warm weather. Arizona's awesome. He gets to play with DeAndre Hopkins and Chandler Jones and Hassan Reddick and Buda Baker. and like that. That's going to be fun. However, however, however. I remember a couple weeks ago when Edwarder and others through sources close to J.J. Watt and, and through his camp reported that J.J. Watt had some priorities. Three specifically in this order. Quarterback, supporting cast, and then money. The money was secondary. Well, actually tertiary if we're counting one, two, three. Let's address these priorities really quickly through the lens of the Arizona Cardinals. Number one, quarterback. Well, uh, I like Kyler Murray. He's an exciting player. Um, but he might be a better runner than a passer. He dealt with injuries last year. Quarterbacks typically don't take a huge leap in year three. You either see it in year two or you don't see it at all. Josh Allen is the exception. And Kyler Murray is currently constructed is a worse quarterback than Stafford and Wilson in his own division. Hmm. Okay, so quarterback. Maybe, but we'll see. Uh, Number two, supporting cast. Arizona's defense wasn't great. They could very well lose Patrick Peterson. Could very well lose some other guys too. That's fine. Supporting cast, I mean, it's okay. Uh, 
I think coaching is really important. And I think Cliff Kingsbury, if he doesn't take a jump, is one of the worst head coaches in the NFL. Decision-making-wise, he made some terrible decisions on in terms of punting and field goals and going for it, that kind of thing. J.J. Watt also signed for a bunch of money. He signed for two years, $31 million, $23 million of it guaranteed. There, there, there was no, like... There was no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no handcuff here for Arizona. It's not like, well, we'll try. If you can stay healthy, if you can meet these benchmarks, we'll pay you. No, Arizona's paying him as if he's going to be a superstar, and he very well might be. But Arizona is jumping out on a limb, hoping for that, with two years, 31 million, and 23 of it guaranteed. JJ Watt wanted the money. It's fine. It's fine. It reminded me of Bogdan Bogdanovich, who said, I want to play for a contender. Okay, well, I don't want to play for the Bucks. I want to play for the Hawks, even though the Hawks aren't any good, but the Hawks paid Bogdan Bogdanovich a bunch of money. I think J.J. Watt and Bogdan both hit free agency, different types of free agency, one through being released and another through restricted free agency, said, I want to contend. I want to play with good teammates. I want to play for a good organization and good head coach. And then both of them turned around two weeks later and said, who can give me the most money? I'm going there. That's where I'm going. And it reminded me of a quote that I was once told by one of my bestest, bestest friends, Ryan Giannone, who's been a guest on the show works with lacrosse loggers. He works at uh, CBS here in town in lacrosse. One of the best quotes, and I will paraphrase. I'll cut out some of the lewd language. One of my favorite quotes he's ever said, Grant, don't pee on my back and tell me that it's rain. Because it's not. Because it's pee. Don't tell me that you're making a decision based on supporting cast and quarterback and and quality of of franchise and then turn around and sign for a bunch of money and, and try to explain it away. No, don't pee on my back and tell me that it's rain. Because it's not rain. It's pee. And J.J. Watt was essentially saying, well, I want a great quarterback. I want a great organization. And money doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. J.J., don't pee on our head and tell us that it's raining. Because it's, it's not. not gonna, we're not going to fall for it. This was one of my favorite quotes. And it's weirdly applicable. And I never get to use that quote. That quote is never applicable. And today I was thinking about it. I was like, whoa, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that quote was made for days like today. Let's take a break, come back, talk more about the Bucks, more about the Badgers, and we're even going to talk Brewers a little bit as well coming up at 5.30, so don't miss that. We'll hear from Christian Yelich. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this.